Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3 this morning. So we talked about last week that unconditional promise that has been made to us uh, by God. And so that is uh, the gospel. We talked about the gospel last week. And uh, we're going to be moving through here in Galatians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 15. We're going to start actually with reading today. And uh, so if you'll stand out of respect for God's word, we're just going to read just uh, three or four verses this morning. And the word of God says this. To give a human example, brothers, even when a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward did not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance came by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. All right, we're going to stop there. Last Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do thank you for another opportunity to start off the week um, singing praises to you, uh, hearing uh, the Wilton Christian School Choir uh, sing praises uh, to you, to be able to give to you um, what you have uh, given to us in the offering. And now, Lord, as we open up your word, we pray again that you would be glorified that uh, you would use your word and the Holy Spirit in our heart to continue to change our lives, that to help us to take that next step in our Christian life. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would meet again with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So last week we uh, started with, um, well, we kind of launched off of verse 15, and uh, Paul brings up... um, a new term here. And so he says this in verse 15, to give a human example, brothers, even with a human, and then he uses the word covenant. And so he's parallel, He's given a parallel between, uh, between um, really the Old Testament law, which we're actually going to get into next week. And so uh, next week uh, he starts to get into why did God give us a law if that's not what really earns our salvation? So he's going to talk about that um, in the next uh, portion of our scripture, but we won't get into that today. Uh, We'll save that for next week. Instead, we're just going to talk about the unconditional part again this week as we look at these verses. So just a reminder, uh, when we think about covenants, they come in two parts, all right? So there is an unconditional covenant, and there is a conditional covenant. And we gave some examples of what those were last week. We're not going to go back over those examples, but I'm just going to give you a quick definition here, which is this. An unconditional covenant is an agreement between two or more parties that involves no requirements of any kind for the fulfillment of the agreement, all right? And so no requirements whatsoever. It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you uh, keep. Instead, it's a gift, all right? That's an unconditional. Now, what about a conditional? A conditional covenant is an agreement between two or more parties that requires certain terms 
to be met. And of course, we talked about uh, last week that uh, when you hire a contractor, you say, I'm going to pay you this amount if you do this work. And so there is something that needs to be met for the contract to be complete. And so in the world, we see unconditional covenants, and we also see conditional covenants. And uh, we see that also in the Word of God. And so this is what Paul is doing. He's really helping us to look at these two ideas of, of the law, the conditional covenant, and the gospel, the unconditional covenant. And so uh, just a reminder, this is the gospel in Jesus Christ, an example of an unconditional covenant. And we see that here in Ephesians chapter 2. And so uh, the word of God says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. All right. So this is not something that we have earned, and it's not something that we keep. Instead, the word of God says that it is a gift of God. And then it goes, Paul goes on to say this, not a result of works, not a result of works so that no one may boast. All right. And so this is an unconditional covenant. It is a promise that God has made, not that we have earned that promise and not that we keep that promise. Instead, God is the one that keeps that promise. And so this is an unconditional promise. Now, if we look at another example of a conditional promise, we see that in Leviticus 18.5. And Paul brought this up, actually, a couple of verses earlier. We already looked at this in more depth. uh, But just a reminder this morning here in Leviticus 18.5, and this is the Lord speaking, and he says this, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. And so notice what God tells, and he's he's communicating it to Moses to communicate to the people, uh, but he's the one that is speaking here. And he says, if a person does them, does what? Well, does the statutes and does my rules, then he shall live by them. And so there is a condition that needs to be met. And so this is a conditional covenant. If you do this, this will happen. And so Paul has already brought that up. He's already talked about that earlier, that conditional covenant. uh, That conditional covenant. And so those who keep his statutes and rules will be blessed under God's law. Now, it's important that we understand these two things because Paul is about to get into this idea of what Jesus Christ has done for us, a unconditional promise versus that conditional promise promise. And so we see that uh, really as we get started off here in Galatians 3.15, I should point this out. Notice how Paul refers to uh, the Galatians. He calls them brothers. And the word there actually means brothers and sisters. It actually means fellow Christians. And so uh, Paul is, is really using kind of a, 
a loving word here. And this is a little bit of a change uh, from what he's been using. And uh, for those of you that have been studying through Galatians with us, uh, you know that he's used some strong words in the way that he's described the Galatian church. Matter of fact, he starts off with this in verse 6. This is chapter 1, verse 6. And he says, I am astonished that you so quickly deserted him, that is, deserted God, who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. All right, those are not words of encouragement. That's like, I can't believe you're, you're going against God. Why are you deserting God? And then we saw him say this uh, in Galatians 3, starting on verse 1, O foolish Gentiles, and we said that he's using that word Gentiles there, is he's talking directly to his audience, and that word foolish means you're being stupid. You're being like mindless. And so he says, O foolish Gentiles, who has bewitched you? But now we see that he's using a different way. He's talking in a different way. And he's really talking to the Christians. And really, this is the big question that Paul is answering. All right? This is the big question the church had. Uh, this, is some, this is the same question that a lot of Christians have. Are you someone who is foolish and has deserted God and his grace or are you a brother and sister in Christ? And if you are a brother and sister in Christ, why? What makes us brothers and sisters in Christ? And so today we're going to see three reasons why we can trust the gospel of Jesus Christ as pointed out by Paul. All right. So again, he's writing to the church. And I know there's a, a bunch of you here today that did not go through the, the introduction with us as we began to study Galatians. Uh, but uh, the gospel is under attack. There's some false teachers that have come in and they've caused some problems and tried to discredit Paul. And so uh, Paul is defending of the gospel by faith. They're trying to add works uh, to the gospel. So the very first thing that he points is to Human covenants are kept, all right? That's the very first thing that Paul points to, and we see that in verse 15. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. And so this is, uh, in Galatians, there was covenants that were not um, uh, unconditional covenants, just like we have today. And so in Galatians, there were similar things like today. Um, matter of fact, me and my wife, we used to watch uh, HGTV uh, quite a bit. We always enjoyed those um, uh, fixer-up-it, uh, fixer-up shows like Love It or List It, those types of things. And uh, normally what they would do when they went into a house and they were going to flip a house or maybe they were going to make your dream house, and uh, they would have kind of a price, and then they would say, okay, based upon this price, we can get you this house, and we can do these remodels, and uh, voila, it's going to be wonderful. But if you've ever watched one of those shows, as soon as they start like doing the remodel and they tear down the walls, then they start finding problems. Uh, one of them was that there was like the, the, the electricity or the propane was run really funky. They were going to have to do this whole thing and redo this. It was going to cost so much money. So they had to go back to the owners and say, I, we know that we said we were going to do this and this and this, but we ran into this problem. And so then they had to change what they said they were going to do. So they either said, it's going to be more expensive than we originally thought. 
can we spend this much? And then they either say, yeah, go ahead and spend this much or don't spend that much. And then if they say, no, you can't spend more than what we've already allowed, then they would say this, well, then we're going to need to make some cuts, which means that there were these other things that we were going to do, but we're not going to be able to do those things. Instead, we're going to need to shift that money to this thing. And so there was a covenant, a contract. They said, you do this, we'll pay this. And after the contractor got in, they said, he said, you know what? We have to do these things and it is going to cost money. So either you need to pay more or we're going to need to change what we're going to do. And so that is a conditional covenant or a conditional contract. And the same thing was true in Paul's time. Same thing was true in Galatia. So why does Paul say here, even with a man-made covenant, notice a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. And so we kind of scratch our head because we understand that in the world today, as well as, remember, Galatia is not part of, of, um, of uh, Israel. This is a Gentile nation. This, is, this church is full of Gentiles. And so they don't have the same laws uh, that the Old Testament had or that the Jews had. So this is not connected to that. And yet Paul adds this. And so what is Paul talking about here? Well, Paul is not talking about a conditional covenant. Instead, he's talking about an unconditional covenant. It's a promise that has been made. I, I'm going to give you this or I'm going to do this. And there's nothing that you have to do for that. So if a contractor said, okay, I want to, and matter of fact, there's, there's a couple of YouTubers out there that do this. And so uh, they will go and they will help people. They will do like, uh, lawn work and stuff and make people's houses look a little bit better. And they don't really charge the people anything. They just do it as like a free gift. They enjoy uh, views, I think, online, and that's how they support themselves. So they go around and they do things free for people. And so that person is always trying to pay them. I, I notice um, on occasion that they always say, well, how much is this going to cost me? And the guy goes, no, 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 it's free. And the reply from the person's like, wait a second, there must be a catch. How could it be free? And the person says, well, you know, what? I just enjoy doing it. I do it for YouTube and, and people watch it. They enjoy these things. And so they go, okay, well, if you want to do it for free, and so then they do the whole, he does the whole thing, and he makes everything look really nice. And at the very end, the person again says, here, let me give you some money. This really turned out just way better than I thought it was going to. And again, the guy says, no, I don't want the money. Again, I said I would do it for free. And uh, he says, I hope you enjoy it. And he just uh, kind of walks away. And so that is an unconditional covenant, something that has just been free. It's not that the person earned it. It's not that um, they have to do something to keep it or pay for it at the very end. But instead, it is truly a free gift. And so what Paul is illustrating here is actually a will or a trust. And so when you have a will or a trust, normally you're leaving behind uh, money or property or things to someone and uh, normally when someone passes away or passes on, then that will is ratified and that will is read. That will is unchanged because that person is now gone. Whatever they put in that will has now been ratified. 
And so if they say so-and-so gets this and so-and-so gets this and so-and-so gets this, that's exactly what happens according to the will. And so that's actually what Paul is talking about here. Rather than an, a conditional covenant, he's actually talking about an unconditional covenant or an unconditional promise here, something that's already been ratified. Now, you might ask, is there an illustration, an example in the word of God? And there is. Because sometimes people would either say, okay, here's your inheritance, and they would give them their inheritance early, or sometimes they would say, okay, wait, uh, after I pass away, this is what you inherit. You will get this property or the home or the livestock or the slaves or whatever it might be, and so they would inherit something. And there is actually an illustration of, of this very thing happening, and this is in the uh, prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. And so uh, you, you don't need to turn there. We're just going to look at a couple of verses here. But this is in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And it says this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. Okay, so we're probably familiar with this parable. In verse 12, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. That is, give me my inheritance. All right? Whatever's in the will, whatever's in the trust, give it to me. And, he, and, and this is what the father did. And he divided his property between them. That is between the two brothers. All right? This is an unconditional promise, an unconditional covenant. And uh, there was something that was going to be willed or inheritance that was going to be given to two different uh, sons. And the younger son says, Father, just give me what, what, what my inheritance is. And the father says, okay. All right, no stipulations. He doesn't say, but you have to do these things. Because in the very next verses, and we're not going to look at that, but the very next verses we find out that this younger son went and he really just spent up all of his dad's money and then he goes, he goes back. And so this is what we're talking about and this is what Paul is talking about when he talks about a covenant that has been ratified, something that is a man-made covenant. These things did exist in Paul's time, just as they exist in our time. And so Paul is not talking about all covenants that cannot be changed, because we understand that, that sometimes promises do change. But when he's talking about this unconditional covenant, he's really comparing uh, something that is true from the world, which is also true with God. And so he says this, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. So he gives an illustration, all right? He's illustrating his truth, and uh, this is actually very similar to what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ often did this. Either he told a parable or he gave an illustration. I want to give you one illustration just to kind of bring this, this idea together here. And this is Christ in Luke 11. And what he is trying to demonstrate is prayer. So he says this, What father among you, if his sons ask you for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so what, this is what Jesus Christ did. He did a comparison. He said, okay, our earthly friends and family, they give us what we need. 
don't we expect that God will also give us what we need and more? And that's exactly what Paul is doing here. So Paul takes an illustration from the world, and he says, mankind keeps their covenants. And if that is true, then we ought to know that God also keeps his covenants. And so he gives a parallel here in that first verse. If God keeps his covenants, if man-made covenants are kept, then we should also expect that God will keep his covenants. All right, the second thing that we see here, the next thing is that God's promises are kept. And we see this in verse 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. All right, Paul here is referring back to Genesis chapter 12. He's already done this a couple of times now, but in Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3, we see that uh, covenant given to Abraham. And that uh, covenant is that very familiar one that says, whom blesses you, I will bless. Who curses you will be cursed, and all the world will be blessed uh, through you. And so that's part of it. That's not the whole thing. Uh, But in verses 1 through 3, we see the Abrahamic covenant, that promise given to Abraham. In verses 4 through 6, we see Abraham traveling to Canaan, which is where God told him to go. And so in verses 4 through 6, he travels. And then once he gets there, he's there in Canaan. We're going to look at verse 7 in just a second here. He looks out at the land of Canaan. And as he's looking out in the land of Canaan, this is what happens. And this is what Paul is referring to. So this is, uh, this is Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. And so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. All right. So this is actually what Paul is referring to uh, when he talks about this in Galatians uh, chapter 3. He's referring back to this time that God spoke to Abraham. Abram is his name here. God changes it a little bit later on, so don't be confused uh, with that. So there's a couple of things that I want to point out. First of all, it was the Lord who promised Abraham. All right, so notice here, to your offspring I will give this land. God promised to Abraham something. Abraham did not promise God anything. We don't see that here. God, Abraham never promised God. Instead, God made a promise to Abraham. So that's the very first thing. The Lord promised Abraham, not Abraham promised the Lord. All right. The promise was given that uh, the promise that was given was to your offspring, singular, not plural. Now, this is probably something uh, we could say, well, maybe Paul is kind of like splitting some hairs here. But Paul is trying to make a point here. The fact that God, remember, this is God speaking to, to Abraham. Paul brings this up. God used the singular on purpose and was pointing to really the Messiah, the Christ. And so he draws that line. He says, okay, that promise that was given way back in Genesis chapter 12 is actually connected to Jesus Christ. And so he he connects to those two. So we could say this, in a more general way, the promise was applied to Israel, but in a more precise way, as, as Paul points out, that that promise was applied to Christ as Israel's true king. And so that's what Paul points out. 
Okay, in a general way, it was applied to all Israel. This was Israel's land. But in a more precise way, it was applied to Christ as Israel's true king. So that's what Paul is talking about here. There is a third thing that we should notice here. And the third thing that I want to point out is Abraham's response. All right, notice Abraham's response here. So the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. All right, this is really the two parts of the covenant that God uh, made with, with Israel. He said, I'm going to give you a people, an offspring, and I'm going to give you a land. All right, those are the two promises uh, that uh, God made to Abraham. So he kind of ratifies, he once again talks about uh, that covenant. And so notice, and he, that is Abraham, built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is the first of many altars that would be uh, built in Canaan by God's uh, people Israel. And why did Abraham stop? He, he stopped and he built an altar to the Lord. Why did he do that? I'll tell you why. Because he believed God. God gave him a promise and he believed it and he worshipped God. And so we see how um, Abraham received that promise. He built an offering and he worshipped the Lord. And uh, his descendants uh, went on to worship the Lord as well. And so what is the takeaway here? What is, what is, Paul's, what is Paul's argument? Well, uh, getting back to kind of uh, remodeling and, and doing some construction on a home. Uh, sometimes when people are doing construction on a home, they, they go, you know what? It would be nice. And uh, me and my wife did this, actually. There's a little, little wall in our home. We said, it'd be nice if this could be removed and maybe the living room opened up a little bit more. But sometimes those walls are there on purpose. And in our house, that wall was there on purpose. It was a supporting wall. If you just start knocking down walls in a house, what might happen? The whole house will come down because some walls are important to the structure of the house. And that is what Paul's takeaway is. If we remove faith from the promise, then the whole promise falls. Christ is so important, and that's one of the reasons why he, ta- he ties Christ back to the promise. He says, you know what? If we don't believe this by faith, just as Abraham did, then the whole promise falls because Abraham simply believed it by faith. And that's why he brings up that it was uh, not uh, so many years or that the law came so many years after the promise was given. And so faith is fundamental to the promise. And as Christians, the object of our faith is Christ. And so if human covenants are kept, we can expect that God will keep his promises. And if God's promises are kept by faith, then adding works will be uh, catastrophic to God's promise because that was God's terms, all right? He gave it as a gift, He said, all you have to do is believe it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to keep it. All you do, all you have to do is accept it. And so Paul says, you know what? If we're going to add works to our faith, then the whole thing falls over because Christ is connected to that promise. And so that's the argument 
that uh, Paul is making. First of all, human covenants are kept. Therefore, we can expect that God keeps his covenants. Number two, God's promises are kept by faith. If we add works, the whole thing falls down. And the reason for that is because it was God who established the covenant. Again, remember, Abraham never made a promise. All right? Abraham didn't say, I'll do this if you do this. And God never put a condition to that covenant. He never said, if you do this, I'll do this. Instead, all he wanted Abraham to do was, by faith, believe him. And that's exactly what Abraham did. Now, was Abraham perfect? No. Matter of fact, Right after, in, in, in uh, chapter 12, which we were just looking at, we see that the, the covenant is given, and, and Abraham leaves, and he goes to Canaan, and then God takes him up, or he's standing up there, and God appears to him, and he says, all of this will be given to your, to your offspring, this land will. And then right after that, he begins, Abraham begins to fear, and he asks his wife to, to lie. He begins to see that, you know what, things around here could be hostile and 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 so he takes matters in his own hands instead of believing the promise which he had just believed he believed in himself so this is a reminder that we don't keep god's promises all right god is the one who keeps his promises when you look at abraham's life he made several mistakes but it was god who established the covenant not Abraham. All right, notice here in verse 17, this is what I was referring to a little bit earlier. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not, that is after uh, Abraham, does not annul covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. All right, and so this is what uh, Paul is is talking about here that that God did not say, I'm going to give you a free gift and then kind of pull the, the, the rug out from under you and go, oh, by the way, it's only free if you do these things. All right, it's, it's like those, uh, those phone calls and those emails and those text messages that we get that say, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm some Nigerian prince and, and I need some money. And if you'll send me some money, I'll double it and I'll send it back to you. It's going to be completely free for you. It's an easy way to make money. That is not what God did when he made a promise. He didn't say, oh, it's free. Oh, by the way, you have to do some things. Instead, it was truly a free promise. It was God who guaranteed that promise. And so mankind knows how to keep promises. Uh, when it comes to covenants, we can trust that God knows how to keep promises as well. Matter of fact, God guarantees his promises. Yahweh, the God of Israel, is a good and loving God. He has not made promises he was planning to void. Instead, he made promises he was planning to keep. And so really, instead of trying to work for our salvation, we need to accept it by faith because that is how the promise was accepted in the first place. Connected to Christ, it is not through faith, uh, it's not through faith in the flesh, it is not through faith in the law, it is not through faith in the government or society or education. All of those things might be helpful in this world, 
but it's not the object of a believer's faith. The object of the believer's faith is what God has said, and the object of Christians is Christ. So Paul says this next. He says this in verse 18. For the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. And so Paul really uh, puts us on a trail here. And, and we talked about uh, hiking several, several weeks back. And Paul says this, you cannot both take this trail of faith and this trail of works. And again, he just kind of pictured that if we are trying to earn our way to, to, to the Lord, if we're trying to do all the good, the right things and give to the Lord and go to church, and if we're just trying to earn God's favor, then the promise falls apart. And so he says, if for the inheritance comes by the law, it did no longer come by promise. That is the promise that was given to Abraham. And so if God required the law, it's no longer a promise. But he says, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. And so God promised Abraham. That's kind of our second point here. God promised Abraham. God promised uh, Abraham. And so there's no law as a condition to the promise all Abraham had to do was believe it by faith. Falling back under the law jeopardizes the whole promise. And this is what we mean when we say you can't have your cake and eat it too. So we cannot say we are a people who live by faith. And we cannot say at the same time we are a people who live by works. Because Paul says those two things cannot go together it either has to be by faith or it has to be by works and he's already demonstrated that the law brings the curse and he's going to get into what the law was all about in the very next part and we're going to talk about that next week and so if you're curious how does the law come into this whole thing you're gonna have to come back next week uh, to find out how that law is part of this whole thing. So this is Paul's point, okay? The, this is the takeaway. Those who are brothers and sisters in Christ are brothers and sisters of the faith. If human covenants are kept, then we should expect that God will also keep his promises, all right? If God's promises are kept by faith, then adding works will be catastrophic to the promise. We will be replacing the promise because God's not doing that. He keeps his promises. Because God is the one who established the covenant with Abraham on the basis of faith, we are not allowed to change it, all right? Because, again, we are not the ones that made the promise. God made the promise. In the same way that if my daughter says, hey, you know what, I promised to clean your room, I can't go back behind her. I mean, I can as a parent, but it wouldn't be right. Uh, I can't go back behind her and say, oh, she's not just going to clean your room. She's going to do your, do your chores. She's going to give you $5. She's going to do your laundry. I can't just start adding things because I didn't make the promise. So the same thing must be true about the gospel. It is God who established the covenant. Therefore, we cannot change it. Either it's a free gift or it is a wage which is to be earned. 
And the Bible says this about the gospel. This is in Titus 3, 5 through 7. We're going to close with this today. And he, uh, he saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so again, notice what Paul says. He saved us, all right? It is his promise. It is not because of our works, all right? Not because of works, but according to his own mercy. That's truly what we're talking about, this idea of grace and mercy. Mercy is what we deserve that we don't get. Grace is what we don't deserve, which God does give us. And then he he goes on to say this in in verse 6. Whom he poured out to us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Notice, we just talked about that idea of becoming heirs, brothers and sisters in Christ, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So what is the condition there? Well, It's not by works. That's not a condition. Instead, it is an unconditional promise simply to be accepted by faith. I believe it, and therefore I accept it. And so that's all that the gospel is, and that's what Paul talks about. It's something to be accepted, not to be worked on. And of course, the gospel is putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the work of the cross. We talked about this last week. And I said I was going to close with that. I'm going to close with this. The idea that Christ came and he lived in our spot and he died in our spot. And when I put my faith and trust in him, my sin is placed upon him. This is when I have faith and that I believe I am a sinner and that I need Jesus Christ. My sin is placed upon him and his perfect life is placed upon me. Now when God sees me, he sees me as holy. That's the exchange that happens. I don't earn my position before God. Instead, I accept by faith that position before God. And so what? If you have not accepted that free gift, why not? Why haven't you accepted and joined into a relationship with the Lord? He has given you a free gift. All you have to do is accept it by faith. Well, thank the Lord for the time that we had. Lord, we do thank you for the promise, that it is an unconditional promise, not something that we earn, not something that we keep, uh, but it's something that you've given to us as a free gift. Thank you, Lord, that you are not some con artist that, that got us into some type of really great-sounding covenant, and then you just change the rules on us. Instead, Lord, your promise continues to be uh, by faith, as Paul talks about And so, Lord, we pray that as we live the Christian life, we would not fall back into a works-based salvation, that we would not abandon God who has called us into a relationship through Jesus Christ, as Paul talks about, that we would not be fools like the Gentiles, like the Galatians were, who were being bewitched by these people that had come in, but instead that we would stand firm in Christ that we would put all of our faith and trust in you, that we would not try to earn our salvation or keep our salvation, but truly, if mankind can keep their promises, you can keep your promise. That really that promise was extended to Abraham by faith, 
and it's extended to us by faith. And if we try to work, the whole thing comes apart. And lastly, Lord, we thank you that it is an unconditional promise given to us. And so thank you for being the one who established it. Thank you for the one, being the one who keeps it. Lord, help us to put our faith and trust in that. Not in the philosophies of the world and not in ourselves. Help us to put our trust in your promises. In Jesus' name, amen.